0: Welcome back to Worldview Matters. It's great to be here. Great to be with Bob again. Looking forward to continuing the chat that we had a week ago and adding some things. Bob, how are you doing?
1: Ross, I'm doing terrific. This is, uh, this show's being taped in the high fall of the south, and it's always beautiful down here with the trees turning and the weather getting a little
0: cooler. That's always refreshing, huh? Huh? Yep, that's right. Now, I'll tell you one thing. We'll have to add this at the very beginning. Uh, we will let all our listeners know that both you and I are Tennessee fans, and although one of our sister shows is about Alabama, we are not real happy about what happened to our football team this past weekend. But It was a, it was a long evening in Nayland Stadium this past Saturday night. It was a long evening, but still, go listen to our sister show about Alabama. Uh, they do a great job, and uh, we just wish our football team did a great job. But anyhow, Bob. Well, I'll, I'll
1: tell you, though, Ross, it's really kind of encouraging, though, because we do love college football down here in the South. Absolutely. But it is refreshing to know that there are things that matter more. I know that I'm, I'm getting close to the edge here for some of our listeners, but there are things that matter more than our hobbies and our athletic pursuits and things, and that is our worldview. Our worldview really does matter. What we think about the world, how we look at the world around us, has a profound impact on our life, on the planet, and on our eternity.
0: Are you telling me that it's bigger than football in the South?
1: Give me a break. Oh. It, they're right
0: up there together, Ross. Okay, I agree, I agree with you, as you well know. But uh, it is fun to talk about it. It used to be that when Tennessee lost, I thought the sun wouldn't come up on Sunday morning or Monday morning, but, you know, it does, and it has again, and it will again the next time. But let's go back to where we were before. Our listeners may remember that you and I were talking about Islam as a worldview, a theistic worldview, and my comments were that we can say what we want to about Islam and how nice those people are, but when you look at what's happening in the world today the Muslims are wreaking havoc in certain areas. My question to you Bob is, is this a small portion of the Islamic faith? Is it? Is it at the core of the Islamic belief system? Where do we stand here in terms of uh, what's happening in the world uh, relative to the Muslim faith today?
1: Well I think your question is, is uh, right on target Ross, for many people in our culture today. I mean Probably until nine uh, eleven, most Americans didn't think very much about about Islam or the Muslim religion. Uh, but since then, and with uh, that tragedy, uh, all eyes now are focused on the Middle East as it relates to the future of the United States of America. And you're right about one thing: that Islam is a complete worldview. It's uh, one of the theistic worldviews. Uh, theism, we. Mean that there is a a one God creator who is behind all that we see in the world around us, and of course the two the three great theistic worldviews, the three theistic religions are Christianity, Judaism, and of course Islam. And Islam has this uh, foundational perspective that uh, Allah, God, the creator, is to be submitted to. In fact, that's really what. Uh, what a Muslim means. It's someone who is submitted to God. And you're right that depending on your perspective, Islam can either be a peace-loving, uh, you know, very uh, beneficial uh, religion that, that treats people with dignity, or it can be this radical jihadist-driven, uh, sometimes prone to terrorism religion that is bent on controlling the entire world, and wow, where, depending
0: on where you stand, it changes your perspective on that. Well, listen, let me ask you a question here. Now, the, the belief of the Muslim is that there is one God. The belief of the Christian is that there's one God. The belief of the Jew is that there's one God. Now, let's look at the Islam versus Christianity. What they do, what, how Islam feels, how the Muslims feel about Jesus is totally different than what the Christian feels about Jesus, and we look at the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the Muslims marginalize Jesus as a part of that. They do not see the Trinity the same as existing. Is that is that correct? Uh, you're exactly right, and uh, you know, in fact,
1: uh, Trinitarianism is something that is not supported by Judaism or Islam. Uh, only only Christianity. Have, believes in uh, a one God in three persons. Uh, Islam looks at Jesus as a great prophet, a great uh, someone who's able to speak and represent God on the earth, but they don't see him as being, uh, as being a, a deity. And of course they would subordinate uh, Christ as a prophet, Abraham as a prophet, Moses as a prophet, they would subordinate those prophets to the final prophet, Muhammad. Uh, but there is a there's a decided difference in in who Christ is and how he relates to to
0: people in these these different religions. So when you come down, when you look at the three theistic worldviews Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, it still comes down at the very at the bottom line to what do you think about what do you do with this man called Jesus? So as we talk about these three worldviews, I believe we have to keep that in mind as we do the evaluation and do the vetting process through the eight points that we've talked about for some time, correct? Well, you're exactly right. I mean, everything rises and se- rises
1: and falls on the person of Jesus Christ, and and frankly, who he said he was, who he claimed to be. We've had discussions about this in the past, and I know you want to get back and talk some more about Islam and maybe how it lays over against practical Christianity, but you're right in saying, Ross, that the person of Jesus Christ really is kind of the watershed, the pivot point of where um, where really the whole world is headed, because Christ claimed to be God, he claimed to be the God Islam also believes that a Christ is going to return, but the whole Yes, and how he returns is significantly different depending on whether you're standing on the Quran or you're
0: standing on the holy scriptures of the Bible. Well, I think this is applicable. So, uh, maybe maybe we could uh, walk take Islam and let's walk through the 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 basic points of vetting process that that we are have been talking about for some time. Would that be a good thing to do at this point, Bob? I think you would do, and you know, let me just remind
1: our readers, those of us who have been with us in the past, and those of us who may be joining us for this episode, that that a, a, wor- a worldview really answers eight foundational questions about, about the world. And that's really what a worldview is. It's the perspective, it's the lens through which we look at and interpret the world in which we live. And those eight questions are uh, what is prime reality? what's really true about what we see, what's the nature of the world around us, what does it mean to be human, what happens when we die, how do we actually know anything, what's right and wrong, is there a moral code, what's the meaning of history, and then finally, what are the core commitments the way that we actually live our life. I call this, what do we put in our day planner that really is consistent with our worldview. And Ross, there are some things about Islam that really are, we sort of share some common ground. Christian theists and Islamic theists do share some real common ground. And I think those are the things that often we want to talk about, we want to believe in. I know our president has uh Repeatedly said there's a lot of things about peaceful Islam that we people in the West who call ourselves believers or, or uh, who follow Judaism, we can celebrate those, and there's some truth to that. Uh, for example, Islam rejects naturalism as a worldview. You and I have talked about naturalism some in the past. The idea that uh, there is no creator, uh, nature uh, has evolved from the Big Bang and uh, Islamists and Christians and Jews would all agree with that. They would say, no, uh, nature isn't the prime reality, God is the prime reality, so that's an example of some of the things that we do share in common
0: with an Islamic worldview. Uh, yeah, we can take that as one, one core uh, sameness, so to speak. Uh, what about uh, nature really deals with point number two. Uh, So how how does it fit with point number two? How is there a difference or similarity between Christianity and Islam here?
1: Well, I'm going to go back in just a minute and talk about maybe as we walk down and look at maybe how Islam answers those eight core questions of a worldview. But, you know, another similarity that we share with Islam is, uh, you know, they reject polytheism by embracing one God, they reject all the many gods, which basically rules out a lot of New Age, almost all Eastern religions. Uh, some of the great conflicts that we see in India, for example, between Hinduism and Islam, are over that That religious war is between polytheism and theism. So we just see there, there's, a, there's a basis there also. I, they believe in angels, both good and bad angels. Uh, most Islamists hold to uh, uh, the a basis of law and order, Sharia law, derived from the Quran and the and the Sunnah. Uh, basically, says there is a way that we can know right from wrong. And Ross, you and I have talked in the past about how uh, you know the relativistic thinking of Western culture has leading us more and more down kind of a slippery slope toward. Uh, actually anarchy and no basis for law and order but so you know there there is uh, there are some similarities I, I think that most most muslims really want to live a peaceful life they want to they want to live out their lives and make a living and do all the things that you and i want to do but uh, there there are some there are some decided differences also but i, I know you want to get back to the eight questions so yeah
0: i don't know let me ask you a couple of questions about what you just said all right. You said, you said most Muslims want to um live in a peaceful way. So you're saying that there are some that don't. And obviously the there is this delineation that's being made in the news about the Muslim jihadist and uh the quote Muslim who is is more peaceful. What do you think the percentage of those people are who are they may, they may want peace, but they want peace on their terms, which means that we have a right to kill the infidel and we are going to put Sharia law in, because that's that's where we're living, I think, in the United States. That's the fear that not only Christian theists, uh, Jew, Jewish people, other people are fearful of Muslims at this point, because they say, is this a core values of the... Of the overall Muslim faith, or is this just a few who have taken some things to extreme?
1: Well, you know, first of all, I just want to remind you and our and our listeners that I, I'm not a Muslim scholar. I'm I'm learning more about it every day, like all the rest of us people of uh, we people who live in American in Western and American culture do. But I'm, I'm not sure exactly of what percentage of of uh, Muslims would be uh, what we would call conservative. Uh, you know sold out to uh, the Quran and everything that's specific to the Quran, uh, sold out to Sharia law. I'm not sure. I would probably think that conservative Muslims are probably a smaller percentage than the vast Muslim population. Uh, But I do know this, and I think this is the point that you're getting to, is it seems like the number of people who are more and more uh, looking to live out uh, the Quran and the Sunnah are increasing every day, especially as more and more nation states like Iran uh, move toward a very, very conservative, very extremist, very literal view of how to apply the Quran, how to apply Sharia law, which uh, indeed has its own Jewish prudent system, and it's not the same legal system that we hold to in the West.
0: Well, it's a, it's a fearful thing, because I think we, we, we have heard or seen in the news that there are certain segments within the United States where there's a large Muslim population, and within that particular, uh, whether it's a city, a town, a segment of a city, or whatever, they're imposing Sharia law within that area, and in many cases, the the legal system or the law system within those areas are leaving them alone. Oh, absolutely. In fact, there are some nation states that that's
1: how they have accommodated uh, Islam. They recognize that Islam does have its own set of laws, and so in uh, an effort to exercise freedom of religion, they have allowed the enclaves of uh, of, uh, of, of, of Islam to have its own set of laws and how they practice those laws. Most nation-states at least certainly most Western nation-states would not... Al- they look at that as more of a colloquial or the provincial administration of that law, more as it relates to local commerce and how the family is oriented, those kind of things and they stop short of uh, capital punishment and those things, but your point's a good one. Where do you begin to draw the line between a secular law, which is based on you know the Western culture, and Sharia law, which is based on a very strict uh, interpretation of the Quran and the teachings of Muhammad? It, it's it's a the line is not real clear, Ross. It's not even real clear among among uh, Islamic. Uh, jurists. They don't always exactly agree
0: on how the law should be applied. Well, where it is clear, though, is when you have a family who decides to kill their own daughter because she's becoming westernized, and they feel that that is legitimate for them to do because they're operating under Sharia law, then that, that very clearly comes outside of our laws, and that can't be tolerated. You can't have that happening in a in a smaller segment of society, where the larger society in the U.S. obviously believes in wrong,
1: absolutely, and, and every every uh, every American, every Western thinker uh, who believes in uh, an absolute view of law would agree with you, and, that, and that's a tragedy. We we look at that as a tragedy. An example happened recently in in Pakistan where the Taliban. Uh, assassinated a fourteen-year-old girl because she was indeed becoming more and more Westernized, and that—that's we look at that as a as an absolute horrific crime against a child. But extreme Muslims would look at that as them protecting their culture, their lifestyle, and at that point, that's where uh, these these views of the world are in conflict with each other. And we're all, if I could, let me just put a plug in here for the fact that worldview matters. This example shows how important it is that we know what we think and what other people think and how these core values, these core commitments, even a commitment to murder a 14-year-old little girl, uh, how those things actually work out into everyday life, as tragic as that, as that is.
0: Yeah, now that young girl, uh, there was, this was an attempted assassination at, at this, at where we are right now. She is still living, 14 years old, and has made somewhat a recovery. As a matter of fact, I understand that she is standing and uh, communicating in some way. I, that's the latest I heard, I believe, on Saturday. I appreciate that. I did not get
1: that last uh, bit of news flash. The last one I read said that she had been assassinated, but so she's still alive. Yeah, well, that's good news.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I want to go back to something else you said earlier too, uh, about this this one God. You know, if you want to take a pedestrian look at at one or two of these eight points, everybody has one sort of belief. Either you believe that there is no God. There is one God, but there are many ways to that God, or there are multiple gods. So you, everybody is in one of those categories. Anybody who has enough thinking to get in out of the rain, or who's thought about it at all. So we've got to. I think that's a very simplistic. No, it's not a very simplistic. It's a very core issue to look at do you believe that there is a god? If there is a god, is there one way to that god, or are there multiple ways, or are there multiple gods and many ways to those multiple gods? So that's more of a simple simplistic pedestrian look, I guess, at this particular issue of monotheism and theistic worldview, just as a aside. You're
1: exactly right, and going back to the eight questions, that is the first question. What is prime reality? How do we know what is really real? And Islam would define that prime reality is Allah. It's God. He is. He's described in the Quran and through the writings of Muhammad as as uh, as being uh, alone, infinite, personal, transcendent. He's eminent, he's he's omniscient, he he knows everything, he's sovereign, and they would also describe him as being good, but the emphasis is on his oneness. Uh, They would would reject the idea of a Trinitarian God, which is taught in the New Testament, that God is one God, but in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, They would also say that, that the Quran, the writings of Muhammad would uh, be a basis for knowing uh, who God is and how the world, how the world operates. The The second question, which is the, what is the nature of the world around us? They would say along with other theists that God created the universe. They create, he created the universe out of nothing. There was no matter there until he spoke it into existence. Uh, what does it mean to be human? Uh, Muslims would say that human beings are the pinnacle of God's creation, that they've been given abilities that other creatures, such as the angels and the jinn, which is a form of angelic being, are not capable. And that, uh, but as humans, they are they are to be submitted to Allah. That's really, as we said before, what a Muslim is: is someone who's submitted to God. Uh, fourth question: What does it have? heaven, just like we do. Let me stop right there, Ross, and see if all that makes sense.
0: Yeah, if you don't mind to repeat that question, I think that there was sort of a breakup there, and and I'm not sure that everybody heard the question that you just posed there in the last few seconds.
1: Well, question number four of what constitutes a worldview is what happens when we die? Uh, Many many worldviews believe that we cease to exist. That's what naturalism believes. But Islam believes that there is a hell. There is a heaven, and that... uh, whether we go to paradise or whether we go to hell is dependent upon whether or not we keep, uh, we keep the laws of God. We keep Muslim law. It's the basis for our entrance into heaven. Uh,
0: unfortunately, now just, to be a- clear, just to be clear, what you're saying is when we say we, you're saying that that's their belief that what happens to a, an adherent to the Muslim religion that whether they go to heaven or not has to do with their adherence to the law of the Quran, right? Well, they're they're following uh, the trodden
1: path of Muhammad. They're uh, they're keeping Sharia law as much as it's as it relates to the larger issues, the larger macro issues related to their religion, and they're they're keeping the Quran. They're they're following the teachings of the Prophet. Yes, and but but. Here's the thing that, that's a little bit unnerving, I think, for every Muslim, it, is you don't really know until you get there. You're not exactly certain. You're hopeful that if you keep, uh, if you keep the five-fold path, if you hold to the, uh, the tenets of Islam, and, and you're a good Muslim, you're hoping that you will make it across the divide, uh, and in and into paradise, but you're really not certain. Whereas those who follow Christ do have a certainty. And the certainty is based on not them living good enough to keep God's law, but in the atonement of Christ, that Christ paid for their sins for them. And that is one of those vast differences between Christian theism and Muslim theism. is, we, we Christians have an advocate. We have one who's gone before us to pay the price for us, whereas Muslims have to basically live for, uh, up to this standard, which they're never really completely sure if they've attained that or not. So there's a bit of
0: uncertainty as it relates to what happens when we die. So you're saying that uh, we can miss Wednesday night prayer meeting as a Christian. And uh, that, ad- that advocate still holds for us. But if a, if a Muslim misses a prayer session and doesn't uh, fall on his knees in the middle of the street at 12 o'clock at a certain time and point toward Mecca, that they're in danger of not fulfilling their obligation toward Muhammad, right? Or toward Allah. Well, I think most Muslims might say that was a bit too simplistic,
1: but you're getting at the basis of it, though. There are the, the five pillars of Islam are you, uh, you confess the creed, you confess that God is one and Muhammad is His prophet. He is the ultimate revelation of all ways to get back to God. The second pillar is you do daily prayers. That's one of the five, that's one of the five pillars. You're right about that, that uh, five times a day Muslims are, are obligated to kneel and pray toward Mecca and offer uh, submissive prayers to God. Almsgiving. That' would be a third. You know, being, looking out for the poor, uh, caring for those less, uh, less benefited than we are, than, than Muslims are, uh, fasting during Ramadan, that's a, that's a fourth pillar, and of course, the, the pilgrimage to Mecca. Every Muslim is expected, if he can, if he's able to, to once in his lifetime make the trip to, to Mecca. Now, some, and you and I have had this conversation, I think, on former shows, some would add a sixth pillar— And that's jihad. The Sunnis would say that Muslims also must struggle uh, against everyone or everything that would resist submission to God. If that's translated figuratively, it's you struggle against your own disobedience. If it's translated literally, it means you struggle against the pagans. And you have an obligation to bring them into submission to God, which means that Western culture, which is not submitted to God in their eyes, has to be brought into the fold even through
0: military means if necessary. Well, let's look at those again now. If uh, confessing of the supremacy of God as a Christian, we need, that's a a part of our creed too, that that we would submit to the supremacy of God where the difference is that we believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we believe in God. Now they call God Allah, and the difference becomes Muhammad, is which is the prophet, and they see him as almost equal to. But now confessing our faith before Christ is important to us. Uh, praying, although it's it's not as it's not as dictatorial as it seems to be in the Muslim faith, but praying to God is something that as Christians we believe is an important part of our faith too. Almsgiving or uh, we many believe in the tithe or that 10% of what we make is really uh, owned by God and that we should give even on top of that, which is is sacrificial giving. That fasting is a good thing because it does bring us in contact with the spiritual being of Jesus Christ. Now the pilgrimage to Mecca, uh, I think a lot of people like to go to Jerusalem, but there's certainly no requirement on the part of Christians to do that. And then this last thing of jihad and uh, those that are considered to be infidels. Our belief as a Christian is that an infidel, if you want to look at it that way, is a non-believer, a non-adherent to the Christian faith and a not someone who does not accept Jesus as the only way to get to Christ. And uh, so, but but we don't try to kill those people. Our view is to try to win them to that belief system that that we have, or Christ, the Christian worldview. So, in trying to compare the issues that you just mentioned regarding Islam to the to the viewpoint of the of the Christian. Well, and the thing that we have to keep remembering is that is that
1: secularists, people who hold to other worldviews besides theism, uh, naturalists, even deists. Certainly, pantheists and those who would follow a new age spirituality, they might look at this debate between uh, Christian theism, J- Jewish theism, and, and and Muslim theism, and goes and go, hey, you know that's just three different brands of soft drink, but you guys are all drinking, you're drinking basically sugared water. You may call it Coke, you may call it Pepsi, you may call it you know, it's something else, but it's still the same thing. That uh, they would, and, and so they look at it and go, that seems to me to be much ado about nothing. All of you theists are just arguing among yourselves and most of you are just the basis for most of the wars that have been fought throughout history. So, you know, speaking as a naturalist now or an atheist or an agnostic, you know, you theists need to just stop being so serious and, you know, just lighten up a little bit. Uh, you're right in the sense that there seem to be these religious practices, but the the person, the secularist, the non-religious person might say, you're making our point for us. All you guys argue about things that really don't matter. It's a big, uh, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. But to theists, and especially to Muslim theists, this is a big deal. Submission to God, uh, submission to Allah, is a very very important uh principle of life for them and it if if uh if it can't be an inward natural submission, then some Islamists feel like they're uh, they're bound to the prophet to force people's knees to bow not just one day in heaven but here on earth, and that's where the difference between Christian theism and Muslim
0: theism really is radically different. You know, this probably is a good place for us to to stop at this point, a good stopping point. And in just the last couple of days, a very noted athlete, I won't name that person, was talking about a tattoo that they have and... On In that tattoo, they have a number of the major world religions, the symbol of those religions, and the comment was made by him, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe something, and the intensity of that belief really has to do with, quote, how good you are and where you might go in the afterlife. Now, that's, a, that's kind of a, a broad summary of what I, I heard and read, but... I believe that that is not the case, and your belief, if you believe in something that is not true, and that goes back to prime reality, I can jump off of a building, and I can believe strongly that I'm going to fly and not go down, and the law of gravity is going to come into play, and I am going to fall and probably crack, because if you believe in something that's wrong, then... Your belief, no matter how strong, is of little value. And I think that's a great place to stop because what we believe, what what our worldview is, does matter. And it matters to the nth degree. And that's really why we are parsing all of these ideas and viewpoints and trying to vet each of the worldviews through. Some equally uh, equal process. And we want to do the same thing with Christianity as we have been doing with Islam. But we'll get to some of these others uh, naturalism, atheism, all the way through pantheism uh, over the course of these next few shows. But, Bob, great place to stop. Hopefully, our listeners enjoyed the conversation as much as we did with each other. And I hope that people out there do recognize. Uh, this is this is not just an avocation for us. It's something we really strongly believe in, love to do. Thankful to JP and all the folks at Big Brains Media. And Bob, I look forward to seeing you again next, next week on this show. Come back and be with us, folks. Go to Big Brains Media. Like us on our Facebook page if you do and ask some questions. We'd love to engage you in any way possible. Thanks, Bob, for another great uh, 30 minutes with you. Thank you, Ross. Worldview really does matter. Amen.
1: This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com.